Women's basketball season came to an end this past weekend. Brings the end to a special era, a special team for the Hoosier women's basketball program. We're going to do a quick recap of that game, look back on the legacy of this team, and look forward to see how IU can build off what has been a really magical two seasons in Bloomington. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, guys? It is Tuesday, March 29th. This is Locked On Hoosiers, your daily one-stop shop for everything IU athletics, whether it's news, analysis, previews, recaps, we have you guys covered. Except for yesterday, apologies to those of you that did not see. Uh, I moved over the weekend, did not have internet on Sunday, so could not record. Uh, didn't get internet until Monday. If you guys follow us on Twitter, you would have seen that. So be sure to head on over there. Follow us at LO underscore Hoosiers. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. We uh, put our episodes up there at 7 a.m. each morning so you guys can watch. Uh, for those of you watching, you can see a new background. This is going to be the background moving forward and whatnot. Uh, that's proof that I moved. But uh, as I said, we're going to talk women's basketball today. Just put a bow on the end of the season that took place on the weekend and talk about what this team meant for this program. It, it's meant everything for this program. And just kind of break that down and then look at what they have coming uh, next season see if they can continue to build on this. As always, you guys can subscribe to Locked on Hoosiers wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, as I said, or on Instagram at Locked on Hoosiers. Let's look back real quick at the game itself. I know it's been a, a few days now, but for those that missed it or, or anything of that sort, uh, UConn went 75 to 58. Um, obviously won't get to in the weeds, because it's been so long, but some overarching um, takeaways from that game. Obviously, the 16 to nothing run that uh, UConn opened the third quarter with decided the game. IU, I thought, was lucky to be down four at halftime. Uh, Goulbet's shot was uh, a huge one, that three-pointer that she gets off right before the buzzer. Um, and the Hoosiers are a bit lucky to be down four, but UConn blew the doors off on this one and just one going away. Um, you can compare if you want to what the men's team did when they gave up a big run. And what this women's team did was, um, fight back a little bit, fought to the final whistle. I'm, I'm not trying to disparage the men's team. Um, that team was running on fumes. This IU women's basketball team was not. Uh, but things got out of hand a bit there in the third quarter, and the Hoosiers never had enough offense to get back into the game because they were getting defensive stops typically. Uh, but between turnovers that they had all night long, or I should say all day long, they had 15 on the day. And most damaging was the 15 offensive rebounds they gave up to UConn. Uh, put those two together. UConn had 14 second chance points to IU's two. Um, 
and they had 13 points off those turnovers. Just a recipe for success in Indiana. Like I said, never really had enough offense um, to to match up with UConn. Overall, it's it's honestly kind of a uh, depth issue as well with with IU. Uh, they, I mean, nobody's going to match up with UConn's depth. UConn is kind of a different beast, but it shows you kind of the next step of what this program needs to get. Um, I'm recording this right after that UConn NC State game. If you guys didn't see that, go find the highlights. Go watch the go watch Sports Center. Whatever it takes to go find the this game, instant classic, double overtime game. Uh, UConn edges it out. That home court advantage really helped, and I'm never not going to be salty about that. Um, but the level of shot making, and especially clutch shot making in that game. That was a level above what IU had this season. And again, not to disparage IU, that was a terrific IU team. And I do think that in the right circumstances, they could have beaten UConn. They could beat NC State. I think they could have beaten anybody um, on in the field. But there's uh, more margin for error when you have as much depth, as much talent as UConn had. Um, obviously, they had Paige Beckers, who seems like she is fully back especially after that NC State game. She went bonkers in the second half and overtime to to lead UConn to the win. But um, that's just kind of the next step the Hoosiers need to make. And you you see that when you go up against these programs. You kind of get a taste firsthand of, okay, this is what I need to do. And if you don't think Grace Berger, Mackenzie Holmes, Terry Morin, um, all the girls coming back are, aren't going to remember this game and remember that kind of golf and, and what it's going to take, then you haven't been paying attention, basically. But a couple players to highlight real quick. Allie Patberg was incredible, and really the only reason IU was in the game, they weren't in the game. The only reason it didn't turn really ugly in the third quarter, I should rephrase it. She had 16 points, 7-9 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3. Um, looked like she hurt her shoulder at one point and just kept canning shots and three-pointers and didn't really care, still grimacing with her. It was her left shoulder, so she could keep firing away with her right arm. Um, so she was huge. Um, and again, the only reason that scoreline didn't look even worse, Mackenzie Holmes had 12 points on five of 10 shooting. She looked completely back. I can't tell you how many of those shots were bouncing around the rim and falling off. Um, her footwork was there. She was getting open looks and it was just one of those days where everything wasn't falling. And um, for IU to have a, a chance to, in that game, they were going to have to shoot lights out, which they didn't even shoot poorly. They shot 48% from the field, and that number dropped in the third quarter. They were over 50% going into the fourth quarter. Um, it was just those turnovers, those those second-chance points. IU had 48 field goals, and UConn had 67. And there's your difference. If you're going to give another 20 extra shots that you, you're not going to get, you're going to lose the game. Like there, there's just simply no way you can make up for that, especially not with uh, IU being such a poor three-point shooting team. They only hit three threes, and two of those are from Allie Patberg. So frustrating end of the game. That was my biggest takeaway watching this this one, though, just the, the difference in programs. Obviously, this is a UConn program. Even in what is, quote-unquote, a down year, as we kind of talked about all last week, they're going to the Final Four. And 
Um, they suffered through injuries and inconsistency all year, and they got right at the right time, got hot at the right time. They're going to a Final Four, but you can see, I mean, that's just kind of how it is. It's the UConn is the top program in the nation. Um, they're able to get this level of recruits year after year after year. That's what I am striving to be. That's what everybody's striving to be. So um, it's a growing moment. It's a lesson for the Hoosiers as they look to to move forward and become as close of a version as they can be to UConn. That's what everybody's striving to be. So before we kind of look forward, see how IU can become that UConn potentially, let's look back. Let's look back on the legacy this team will leave. Um it's a memorable one. Uh, they, they are the Indiana women's basketball program right now. So uh, before we look back into that, I love and kind of hate those big shots, those late shots, those buzzer beaters, the drama, but the pain when you're on the other side of it. That's what happened in that UConn NC State game. Uh, for those that didn't see it, so many huge shots. Paige Beckers was hitting huge shots. NC State had multiple massive three-pointers late in the game. It was a wild back and forth. Um, if you guys uh, haven't already, you can use Stat Heroes NCAA single game pickums uh, to take a, a Paige Beckers potentially or a Paulo Banchero for Duke in the men's side. Um, you can pit star players against one another. So you can start focusing on the players you know best with gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who you, who or what you're going up against. Uh, they also have lineup contests where they post a lineup. You pick five players to go up against it. Really, it's the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. At stathero.com slash locked on with that promo code locked on, they will double your deposit today. Terms and conditions apply. So this brings the end of this talented special two seasons. Uh from this women's basketball team. You can you can quantify it as two seasons because everybody ran it back after last year's Elite Eight finish. Um, I think the, the easiest way to just encapsulate, uh, if it's one stat, what this group um, did for IU women's basketball. After, before the 2021 season, their IU bas women's basketball had three NCAA tournament wins, one in 1983, one in 2016, one in 2019. Uh, they had only been to the tournament six times in that span and three first-round exits. 2021 and 2022, they had five tournament wins in just those two seasons alone. Uh, they beat NC State They uh, in that memorable Sweet 16 game. They go up against UConn. They have an Elite Eight appearance and a Sweet 16 appearance. Obviously, they never, um, never had that before this season. As I, as I mentioned in our conversation with Sabrina, IU has eight uh, NCAA tournament wins, and seven of them are Terry Morin. 
And a lot of that is from um, this, this kind of core group that's been together for some time now. And I think just that stat about having five NCAA tournament wins when they had three prior to this just tells you what heights this group took the program to. Um, there's so many memorable moments. There's kind of this idea, it's more pervasive in pro sports, but that if you don't win a title, if you don't get a trophy, um, it's not really a successful season. That doesn't exist so much in college basketball or college sports in general. Um, I know IU had goals this season of a Big Ten title, of a Final Four. Maybe if things play out a little differently, they win that regular season Big Ten title. With a week to go, they had a two-game lead, but um, they were so close there. They were so close in the Big Ten tournament getting to the championship game. Just because they don't come away with a title, a trophy necessarily, um, in those two seasons outside of of making the Sweet 16 the Elite Eight, um, doesn't mean this hasn't been a special, special, special run. So many memorable moments, memorable games from this group. We mentioned the NC State game, which is going to be kind of the victory, the game that's going to be um, kind of attached or associated with this group, and it should be. Number one seed, you upset them to get to the Elite Eight. That put everybody on notice that this is Indiana women's basketball, and they're not messing around, basically. Um, there were many this year finally getting over the hump against Maryland in the regular season, beating Purdue on the road. Um, Purdue wasn't necessarily a ranked team, but it was the way they won that game and the drama of it at the end of regulation to make a comeback to even force overtime. You beat Maryland in the Big Ten tournament. You go from never having beat them to beating them twice in a season. Uh, that Big Ten tournament game kind of sealed them hosting the NCAA tournament, which was another goal they had this season. Um, the Ohio State win in the Big Ten tournament was a big one because that's the number one seed that gets them to the Big Ten tournament championship game. And that's when you kind of realize that this is a moment uh, and this is a special run. It, it goes from one big win over Maryland to just this run as a whole being a memorable one. And the win over Temple, just to get back to the Sweet 16, or excuse Princeton, just to get back to the Sweet 16 um, is good, is memorable. Any Sweet 16 trip is memorable. So there's so many moments from the program that, uh, from the last two seasons. I almost, I keep wanting to say they reshaped what IU women's basketball was, which is true. But in all honesty, IU women's basketball hasn't, just didn't have a, a history, a tradition. They've more defined what Indiana basketball is in these last two seasons. They've, like I said, they put Indiana women's basketball on the map. Nobody thought of this program, including people within Bloomington, within IU, um, within the state. Nobody really cared about this program, if I'm being frank, before the last two seasons. And this group made people care. It made people want to come out and watch Indiana women's basketball. And it it's going to have a lasting impact throughout the years. Um, there was a, a great video that was put out by the Indiana women's basketball account talking about 
this season and all these games, especially the NCAA tournament games they hosted, and the little girls and the little kids and that that were watching them, wanting to become them one day. And those are the types of lasting impacts you hear about in years to come um, that this group is going to be responsible for. So it's a lot of stuff like that, that this was a special group, a special era, a special team, every, every way you want to quantify it. Um, this is kind of the group that is going to define what Indiana women's basketball, um, what the women's basketball program is. If this is the launching pad, um, to something great. We're always going to remember these two seasons being that foundation. Um, if this is the height, which hopefully it isn't, but if this is the height, then obviously you're going to remember it for being the high point in those two seasons. But no matter how, how you look at it, this, these two seasons have been really memorable, really special and shape what we, how we look at Indiana women's basketball right now. The challenge is going to be building on this and moving forward and how you take advantage of this momentum you have, even with losing so many seniors, um, how you build on this and keep this momentum going. And we're going to look some of the players that are going to be around next season and how the Hoosiers could take advantage of uh, some of the new recruits and who's going to be coming back as well. Before we dive into that, after months of playing college basketball, has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national championship this coming weekend. My money is probably on Duke right now, but that Duke-UNC game is... I, I can't remember a game uh, that is going to be more hyped up than that one. So many people are going to be watching that game. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all the sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports, sporting wagering information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have odds for a Will Smith versus Chris Rock fight if you want to get in on it uh, early. Shot. Not shockingly, Will Smith is the heavy favorite. Uh, head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. So how do the Hoosiers move on from here? Well, the good news is, as much as we talk about the legacy of this team, there are pieces that are going to be coming about, coming back. Uh, you'll say goodbye to Nicole Donya Hillary, um, Pat Berg, Goulbay, Grace Wagner, but Grace Berger has uh, committed before the se regular season even ended that she would be back. It was kind of everybody kind of thought it was a uh, sure thing that Mackenzie Holmes was coming back. She confirmed it in the press conference after the game on Saturday, saying as long as she's allowed to wear Indiana on her chest, she's going to do it. So those two are going to be back. Uh, and if we're being frank, those were the two best players on the team this year. So that's a pretty good building block to start with. Um, you also have Chloe Moore McNeil is going to, or, and Keandra Brown. I shouldn't say they're going to be back. They're eligible to come back. I don't want to assume anything, especially in kind of modern college basketball where so many people are entering the transfer portal. I'd be surprised if either of them transferred because they both had such big roles on this team. Um, and 
if I'm guessing right now, they both would be starters on next year's team. So you're looking at Grace Berger, Chloe Moore, McNeil, McKenzie Holmes, and Keandre Brown as four v five, and that's a really good uh, starting five. Uh, the base of one, how they fill out the rest of it is going to be the challenge because obviously all season long, uh, one of the issues the Hoosiers had was lack of depth. That's what we just talked about um, when it came to that UConn game. Um, Indiana really only had six options, and Keandre Brown was really limited. Uh, I guess it was seven options. Keandre Brown was really limited th during the tournament with that hip injury. It was more six options, six and a half options, depending on uh, Brown's health. So how you fill out the rest of the roster to um, find some more talent is going to be interesting. You can look to the recruiting class, and it's a very interesting recruiting class. Um, it's led by Lexi Bargesser, who I – one, I probably butchered that last name, and I apologize. But two is a top 100 recruit in ESPN's rankings. Those are the most easily accessible women's basketball rankings. She's number 68, four-star, a guard out of Michigan. Uh, she'll come in. There's a open guard spot, open spot on the wing uh, that she could conceivably step into. Lily Meister uh, in Minnesota. Uh, as a forward this year is another recruit coming in 22.3 points, 11.5 rebounds, almost two blocks or almost two steals and a block and a half a game. The, there's front court minutes to be open now as well. There's going to be minutes all over the place uh, with so much production leaving. Um, but Terry Morin has done something really interesting as well. couple um, international prospects coming in. Henna Sandvik. Uh, plays in Finland. Uh, she will be coming in, and in Finland this season, uh, she averaged. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the stats: 13.7 points, 5.7 rebounds, shot 32% from the three-point line, played 26 games for HBA Marski in Helsinki. Uh, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about that team, but. Um, she played with them all season long and going to come in now to Indiana and again, open minutes. Uh, if she's able to produce, um, it's going to be minutes to be had. IU calls her a, a guard. If you look at some of the stats websites, the Eurostats websites, they refer to her more as a forward. We'll see. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how she's classified. Uh, but like I said, there's minutes on the perimeter. She's a six foot forward guard and just having that size on the perimeter would be great. Um, having that size anywhere would be great. Another player, international player coming in, Yarding Garzon. Uh, again, another name. I'm, I apologize if I'm butchering. Uh, coming from Israel, played in the Israeli league this season, a point guard. Four-star recruit, again, uh, according to Premier Basketball Report. That's what Indiana said in their press release when they uh, announced her signing. She averaged 12.5 um, points, shot 34.8% from three this season. Uh, she shot 39% from three last season. That's another big thing the Hoosiers lacked. As we said, they really, really, really need some three-point shooting. 
uh, over the off season. Um, there's also uh, Garzon also averaged 5.1 rebounds, 4.1 assists. Um, so production from her, an, an interesting name, always the transfer portal is going to be a, a way to get players as well. Um, an interesting name to maybe monitor. Uh, this happened during the UConn NC State game. Uh, Sydney Parrish is a uh, former Indiana Miss Basketball, started 32 games at Oregon this season from Fishers, went to Hamilton Southeastern. Uh, she entered the transfer portal. She announced it on Monday evening. Uh, she's a guard. She hit more threes than anybody on IU's team last season with 52. She hit one fewer three than Parker Stewart last season for the men's team. Uh, and again, that is something the Hoosiers desperately need. So there's no real link to IU other than being from Indiana and IU needing a guard. Um, but she played in all 32 games, started all 32 games this season. So uh, there's a couple different ways the Hoosiers can address some of that lost production. We'll see how it plays out in the coming weeks heading into the offseason. But um, this is a big moment for Indiana, a big offseason. You have all this momentum from this historic um, group that is departing now and how you build on that momentum and keep that momentum rolling is going to be the challenge now. It's a tough one. Uh, we've seen um, the biggest challenge is finding consistency. We saw with, with Tom Crean for years, it was highs and it was lows, and it was highs and it was lows. Trying to, to keep the highs but not make the lows so low and keep it a, a, a straight line there is going to be the biggest challenge for Terry Morin. And this is going to be the biggest offseason now for her to – figure out how to do that and how to maintain that because there's a lot of production she's going to have to replace and a lot of holes she's going to have to fill. I'm excited to see how it pans out, excited to see how the Hoosiers fill some of those holes and uh, excited to see how they are able to continue building that momentum. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. Uh, not entirely certain what we're going to be talking about the rest of the week because we're eventually going to start doing kind of player season reviews for the men's basketball team, potentially the women's basketball team as well, but definitely the men's basketball team. Uh, we may start that. We'll almost certainly start that this week. Uh, want to make sure we get caught up on some football news um, and some baseball news as well, but Regardless, we'll be uh, looking at that and the men's basketball season recaps uh, this season uh, or this week as well. So now make your second listen locked on NFL draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Appreciate all the love, all the feedback. I want this to be a conversation, so leave a review. Let me know what you guys are thinking. Um, follow us on Twitter, tweet at us, anything like that. I, I always want this to be a conversation, and I'd love to answer questions on the show if you guys have any. So 
Follow us on Twitter, like I said. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave that rating and review if you want something asked or answered on the show, and I always check those as well. Most importantly, though, guys, I want everybody to have a great, great Tuesday in LEO.